Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Cole Bobo Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rick Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. I'm Rocky Sita Romero. David Starr. Support Russell Talk. You are watching Russell Talk. Congratulations, you got here. Now subscribe and support Russell Talk. Support Russell Talk and please subscribe now. Support Russell Talk. Do it. Support Ollie, support me, support Russell Talk. Support Russell Talk. Support Russell Talk. Because we talk about wrestling, and I like it. Support Russell Talk. Go subscribe. Support Russell Talk. Home of Lou Gowen. Whatever Russell Talk is, and whoever Lou Gowen is, Lord the Ravens, Nevermore. Russell Talk, Russell Talk, Russell Talk, Russell Talk, Russell Talk, Russell Talk, Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast. I'm Ollie Davis and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swap Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. How the devil are you? Oh, I'm so happy. Oh yeah? AEW is a is a, is what I wanted it to be. Oh, you're such a mark. It turns out that that was just I, I was worried because I thought the program I expected AEW Dynamite to be wasn't the one that they were gonna make. But then they made it this week. Yeah. Oh, I was so I was trying to com- I was trying to explain to my lady partner very early this morning when I was very excited after watching Dynamite, mm. and I was saying she was like, "Oh, what happened on the show then? It must have been really big." And I was like, "No, no, nothing big happened. <laughs> That's the point. It's like it was so entertaining and everything made sense. It was just solid." And she was like, "So." It was average. It was, it was slightly, it was above average. It was an above average show. And she's like, so why are you so excited? Like, that's so rare. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what made me very happy. It's a bit of a, uh, an insight there into what you can expect from the review that will be coming up. I think mm. I might have enjoyed it more than you did, even though you enjoyed it. What are you talking about? I I'm, I'm, I really enjoyed it. I know, but you called it an above average show. I it was it, an I, above I, average <laughs> show. There's no ceiling to that. I didn't cap it. This could be Kong Skull Island all over uh, again. <laughs> no, I enjoyed it more. 
Uh, but we've got a lot of emails in from the uh, last AEW podcast that we um, did. Because people wanted it directly read out here. Well, it's, and it's all AEW-centric, so I right. thought I would collate those all together. Uh, but this first one comes in from Lyle, um, who said that Sean Spears and Jake Hager's situations are totally different. This is in response to uh, you last week saying that Hager coming across as a previous mid-carder from sure. WWE just sets this company up along with Ty Dillinger as now Sean Spears as oh it's the company of uh, former WWE mid-carders who are now being pushed as main event talents exactly yeah um, Ty Dillinger wasn't on the WWE's main roster at least on camera enough for the audience to imprint any feelings about him if anything we felt he wasn't given a chance in this case there is more of a blank slate for AEW and Sean to work with plus the widely publicized story of personal connection that Sean has with Cody reinforces the image of Spears like Rhodes is main event talent that was buried in WWE Jack Swagger, on the other hand, had a lot of camera time. His place on the card is indemnally imprinted on the fans' minds, as shown by the constant We the People chance after Jake Hager came out. There is no previous storied or publicized personal connection. Plus, the announcers telling us that he's undefeated in MMA is largely meaningless, as AEW matches aren't structured in that way, and that allows a realistic comparison. More detail upon that by request. Subjectively, I never felt Swagger has... It. His eyes, smile, and haircut all seemed giant Boy Scout lost in the woods. During his AEW debut, Hagen never looked menacing. The camera zoomed in on his face when he stood there in unison. Hagen's eye said, this is cool, guys. Or more so, uh, is this where I'm supposed to stand? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It needs to be completely repackaged with a radical new look and attitude, and I don't think he has it in him. Well, I wasn't really comparing the two. I was just more saying it's dangerous to have... You know, even if they're of different qualities, like maybe one guy was given the chance and didn't have it. Maybe one guy like Sean had had it, but wasn't really given the proper chance. Uh, but if you keep having these wrestlers who were treated and portrayed as mid-carders in another company and you make them big stars in yours, it just means you, you look a bit knockoff. Even if they're all successful, after a while, it just sorts of becomes a, a joke, like TNA did. Well, uh, on that uh, note, I've told the story many times, but when I was... Uh, my, my friends had gone out of wrestling, and then we both we all decided to try and give WWE another go for WrestleMania 20, and my friend's first reaction was like, oh, Eddie Guerrero is WWE champion. That doesn't make any sense. Because yeah. in his mind... He's the European champion, he's intercontinental champion kind of caliber. Totally. Um, this comes in from Randy Burgess, so I'm slightly different though. He's like, I'm 32 and watched the entire Cena Orton era. At the time, I felt Swagger deserved a much bigger push. Looking back, he reminds me a lot of Baron Corbin. A great promo and a great finisher. The current powerbomb never gets old. Honestly, I don't think he's a main eventer, and I agree with Ollie that this should be the last ex WWE signing for a while, besides Punk, of course. Hmm. Uh, Luke, you're right, Canada is amazing. Lived there for five years, best of my life. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to say it should be the last. Who would you, like, because I feel like the, there could be a few ex-WWE guys they could snap up. But there's none I that... guess Ma Marty is who I want next. Yeah, I was going to say... His contract's Mar up in November. Yeah, I think Marty is certainly the person that I, I'm, I'm looking at in terms of... But, like, also, so did you see that uh, AEW put out a... Um, well, TV, Insi uh, TV Inner Circle put out a... Uh, feedback form for Dynamite. Huh. Um, it was shared on TNT on AEW or AEW on TNT's Twitter accounts after last week's episode. Or after this last week's, week's episodes, huh. um, and it was basically: Did you watch the show? Did you watch Raw? Did you watch SmackDown? Did you watch NXT? And sort of like, who are your favorite characters on those sorts of shows? Very, very general sort of thing. Any other comments? 
to, to, to MJF should help Cody. Well, and they listen to me. <laughs> well, in that section, I was just like, consistent rules would be good, mm. like that, that, and that sort of thing. So actually, better theme music. Because I, I, well, actually, I, I, I thought the theme music presentation was actually much better. I thought the whole presentation this week felt completely totally different. Agree. And, totally and agree. Um, so I thought that was that was really good. Sorry, that was my phone going off this because That's I'm on outrageous. airplane mode, but. Wi-Fi is still enabled. <laughs> so uh, Louis Dangor just texted me. Louis Danger. Um, website writer, www.com. Go check it out. Um, www.com. Sorry, wrestletalk.com writer. I was turning Wi-Fi off my phone. Sorry, Pete. Um, what, was, what was I saying? Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah, they were doing this um, feedback form. And one of the questions are, who is your favorite character in AEW? And I sort of sat there and I leaned back and I was like, I don't know. Mm. And not and I don't know in like oh I don't really know I haven't really thought about it. It was like I can't pick one. Yeah. I cuz I was like the Lucha Brothers. Oh no wait cuz the Mockley's there. No, no it's Kenny Omega's there. Oh wait. And then I was I was like Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy's there and I was like this is an incredible roster of talent. So my actual thinking is we don't need any more signings currently mm, yeah apart from marty maybe yeah yeah i totally agree with that as well just like, like it's two episodes in now they've shown the the sort of great m- normal level they can do with last night I, I really think that should be a bit above the benchmark you know what i mean mm-hmm. like if that's the standard of weekly tv we're in for an absolute treat absolutely uh, but before we get into the main show i just wanted to read out this email from jesse as a bit of an apology uh for from us to uh, the swath nation on uh, this week's episode oh, really? from based on last week's episode because uh, he started this spoiler room broad said uh, the greetings rest talk team yes even you randy but screw you blake ham uh, before I say anything negative, I want to start off by saying I love your content. I've been watching, listening since before there was a podcast and it was just Ollie doing the news. It's been great seeing the team evolve over the years and has greatly enhanced my joy of wrestling. About a year and a half ago, I started my new job where I now have to drive about 35 minutes each direction every day and the podcast really helped make the drive easier. I've listened to you guys so long now that as I type this, I'm reading the words back in Luke's voice. That being said, I have a serious complaint from your inaugural AEW podcast that I listened to on Thursday afternoon. I decided to watch AEW live since I can catch NXT on the network on Thursday nights. On my drive to work, however, I popped on your AEW review only to have the first thing you talk about is two major spoilers from Mm. NXT. Why are you even talking about NXT on the AEW review? I don't know if you'll change anything about the podcast based on my email, but in future, since the two shows are on at the same time, you may want to avoid talking about things that happen on the opposing review show as not to ruin it for those who haven't watched it yet. Sorry for the rant. Thank you for your time and all your consistent consistency. That's from Jesse in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we screwed up there. We, we were so excited about the war that we weren't even thinking. That's exactly and, it. And we did, you know, like as soon as the show started to review AEW, we were like, and NXT did this, AEW. And, uh. and because we we just, it was the first weeks, so we just yeah, fell into this sort yeah. of trap of comparing the two shows without thinking, are there, are there people are going to watch this if they've only watched NXT and they don't want to hear, a, or sorry, if they've only watched AEW and they don't want to hear NXT spoilers. I, just, I didn't mm. consider it. And that's a, that's a mistake on our part, really. Yeah, so going forward, we will try our very, very best... And if we do, it's it's unintentional to not do NXT spoilers in AEW Wrestle Talk live reviews. Indeed, yeah, absolutely. And on that note, let us head into the show itself, where we're going to be talking about a shock loss for an AEW star. Here is the show. 
opening match of this week's AEW Dynamite, which was the Young Bucks versus the Private Party. Young Bucks, their co-executive vice presidents, they're founders of this wrestling promotion. They're the best tag team in the world. It's the first round of the tag team tournament for AEW. They're the number one seeds in this tournament. To crown the inaugural tag team champions. Private party of rookies, Young Bucks. They're uh, the number eight seed in this tournament. As super veterans. I know where this is going. <laughs> they're going to have a, a really good match. All private party just miss out on the victory at the end. Young Bucks go getting, ahead. Getting over in defeat. But private party get a, get over in, de- in defeat, yes. But that's not what happened. Nope. Uh, instead, we had an incredible series of near falls towards the end. And then the Young Bucks set up for the Meltzer driver. But Cassidy pulled down Nick Jackson off the apron. And Quen rolled up Matt Jackson for the win. The shock upset win. Private party advance in the tournament. Absolutely insane. And then what a really nice touch they had throughout the match, kind of NXT takeover style. A few of the other tag teams in the tournament sitting in the crowd. So you had SCU out there. Yep. Are Helico and Jack Evans in the tournament? Yes. Uh, they, no, they're, they're not in the tournament. They're not though. in the tournament. But they were scouting out future tag competition. Yeah. So they They've were, got a tag name now as well. Oh, they oh, were yeah, I saw that. Yeah, the Hybrid 2. The Hybrid 2 with the number 2 rather than the word yes. 2. It's a, a, it fits you just their name. Do, you do not like them. Do you? I love them as wrestlers. I, I just that their, their ring attire <laughs> is gross. It's this luminous green. looks like an energy drink. Energy drink. Anyway, it was, it was genuinely, genuinely shocking. Um, do you think it was the right move? Yes, I do. Hmm. Because I think that the Young Bucks are tied up elsewhere. They're in a feud. Well, they're kind of feuding with the Inner Circle and Santana and Ortiz. You can set up Bucks versus them for the pay-per-view, which frees up the rest of the tag team division to fight over the tag titles and not almost have this sort of like looming presence that is the Bucks. Yeah. Okay. And I, you know, I can't make up my mind. All I know is that I enjoyed the hell out of it. That was a great match. Got over with the live crowd. It was a fantastic match. Yeah. Like, in ring wise, they went about, was it a 20 minute time limit? Uh, it was a 20 minute time limit, yeah. So it went under 20 minutes, so probably about 15. It was mm. really held my attention. It was, it was so refreshing because having lived through Ring of Honor from that 2010 to 2014 period, where, in my opinion, they were putting on the best weekly wrestling in North America mm. compared to WWE. And, and you're like, oh, just just one day. I wish this got the mainstream start. Or when you go to an independent wrestling show, yeah, and you or like a Progress or an ICW, you're like, oh, I just wish that the main this this style of in ring wrestling was tried out for the mainstream. Yes, because this is what wrestling is to me in 2019 as an adult male. I I'm I'm curious to see if this really does work in front of casual fans or if they're like, whoa. That's not sports entertainment. This has gone far too long. Yeah. So to see that this was it, it was it was mind blowing for me to experience. Yeah. Just this on on TNT AW, and while I love last week's uh, episode, although it had significant flaws, that Cody Sammy Guevara match I loved, but that really was a throwback to eighties matches because it was a Cody match. Yeah. And but I loved that. But this was the complete antithesis. This was super kick, high spots, dives outside. There was a great spot when it was, was it Cassidy? No, it was Mark Quinn. He dove over one side to take out one buck, got in the ring to the other side, 
did that four times, then hit a 450 splash off the top rope. His shooting star press is insane. He mm. gets so much higher. It's like a, a Montez Ford frog splash. You're like, how do you get up that high? It's an, in, an incredible vertical leap. The um, I There were several times where I thought, well, the Bucks have got this, including when they had, uh, I think it was Cassidy in the Scorpion Deathlock for, for quite some time. And then Nick Jackson jumped over with a face buster uh, to add insult to injury yeah, on that. I thought he was going to tap. I thought he was going to tap as well. And then I thought, oh, man, private party have got this. When they hit gin and juice, mm. I thought... That's it. It's over. And they still, and they carry on. I thought it was that after the shooting star press. There were, yeah. I bought into every single near fall in this match. It was absolutely brilliant. But I also loved the storytelling that was in this match. For me, there wasn't just high spots. Because the story they were telling in this match was that the Young Bucks are seed one, Private Party are seed eight. The Young Bucks went in there to have fun but then couldn't put them away. So started to get more vicious and started to get more violent and almost started to work a bit heelish. Not like cheating or anything like that, but they were like, we're not playing to the crowd anymore. We're just going to do these spots. We're just going to slam you down and I'm going to try and pin you because they wanted to win. Yeah. And so they got more and more frustrated as the match went on. And you might argue that's what led to their undoing. They got too cocky. Yeah, I love how AEW can do that. WWE says it all the time. Heels and faces don't exist anymore when they really do. <laughs> Baron Corbin has no face. Yeah, <laughs> but here you have... Uh, and I, I, so Sometimes it doesn't work. Like I think Cody, Brandy, MJF, that dynamic... I, Brandy's a real is the stickler most for me. Yeah, it's a uh, bit awkward. And Omega too. Like sometimes yeah, Omega like, be, just, yeah. just make up your bloody mind. Are you uh, a tweener, a babyface, or a heel? Yeah. Uh, Moxie seems to have that down. We'll come on to that later. But the Young Bucks here, I never once thought, oh, you're a heel, or even, oh, you're a babyface, or oh, you're a tweener. I was just like, you are this act that I'm super into watching, uh, and you've, yeah, I don't really... Somehow every moral action you do feels consistent. Like uh, all in, all out, sorry, when they took off Pentagon's mask. Yeah. That's a heel move. But you, I wasn't really booing Young Bucks. In this match, really early on, and I think it's Nick Jackson spits. Yeah. In it spits gum in face. his face. Yeah, yeah, spits the gum. So that's a mega But again, I was, I, at that point, I was like, they're just having fun with this. Because yeah. I, they're almost like, they're overlooking mm. uh, private party here. Because they're the ones that effectively set this match up. They were the ones who requested, we'll face you in the first round. Because we want to have a match with you. We want to give you the opportunity to put you up on TV. Because we're going to win. And then just as the match went on, we we're like, oh, we can't pin these lads. They, was, keep, they keep getting up. And that was really well illustrated in a great video package that ran before it, just like the previous week with Cody and Sammy, where they set up both teams. They introduced Private Party. Uh, I loved Private Party's entrance. Oh, uh, well. with the little velvet rope. Yeah, and they like were a in, VIP area. And they were introduced uh, from a place where you need a special invitation, and their weight is determined in vodka cranberries. Yeah. Oh, that's a wonderful little gimmick. And in a masterstroke of AEW, WWE, for instance, I mean, I'm... I'm sorry I'm comparing the two so much, but this is only the second episode. The WWE is like, no, only the wrestlers can get over. No one else. Not the commentators, backstage interviewers, referees. All that heat must be directed towards the wrestler reaction. I mean, that's quite stifling. I always used to enjoy, oh, that's Earl Hebner. Or, oh, look, we're going backstage with Mike Tanay. I'll tell you what, they're oh, sorry, getting... Uh, Jeremy Borash. They're getting Aubrey Edwards over as, as their referee. Yeah, but here it was... The mullet security guy, yeah. Atlas security guy, he's not said one word. He won't, he probably never will 
if he does, it will be a Silent Bob style, damn, or, or I don't know, or no ticket. Yeah. And he's the guy that opens the VIP velvet rope for private party to make their way down to the ring. I'm so into him. Yeah, I thought it was really, really great. But I just thought the match was brilliant. Yes. It was really, really cool. And I thought that SCU and Hybrid 2 in the uh, crowd sold the, uh, the the win as mm. well. And then Private Party celebrated within the crowd for this shock upset victory. I thought it was a great way yeah. to kick off the show. And if this is the standard we're going to get for this tag title tournament going forward, we're in for a very fun few weeks of TV leading up to the finals at Full Gear. Well, okay, so this is this kind of circles back to what I was asking earlier. Because the more I think about it, the more they're both the right decision. I think you can have the Young Bucks go over, and it's the right decision. Or you can have Private Party go over, that's the right decision. With Private Party, you've sort of made these new stars. Although I think you could have still made the new stars and have the Bucks win. But with the Bucks, they're the best tag team in the world. They'll go on, they'll have great matches with other teams, and then the best tag team in the world will be your tag team champions. Yeah. That makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while I love Private Party, I that they are very green. I've and, and I'm not someone who really picks up on oh that wrestler wasn't in the right position or that offense looked a bit bad because I usually get so wrapped up in character. But even I saw a few Private Party moments. Oh, really, where I, was I like, didn't spot them. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's uh, you know that 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 looked a bit weird, or he did he just. He, he seemed to be thinking about doing the next spot as opposed to making this spot look real. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, the reason this match was probably so good was because it was the Young Bucks. So my concern would be Private Party going advancing and not having the Bucks in this tournament is going to make it a not as good tournament. Well, they're either going to be facing Jurassic Express or the Lucha Brothers in the semifinals. And I would feel very confident in either one of those teams. Perhaps Lucha Brothers more than Jurassic Express, but I love Jurassic Express so much that I want them to win. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really just, I want them to yes. win the whole thing. I, I, Luchasaurus is such a sexy bastard. I just want him to win mm. every title. Yeah. If you haven't seen a real life picture of Luchasaurus, <laughs> by the way, we saw it yesterday. He looks like Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins has merged. He is the handsome love child of Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. And he's under a mask. <laughs> Do you think like Triple H and Vince McMahon were trying to make the perfect wrestler? And he's the, he's the result of their experiment. <laughs> well, you'd be like the um, like Mephesto from South Park. He was yeah. trying to make the world's perfect singer and in the end just made a tiny little monkey boy. Yeah. So I, I thought this match was absolutely incredible. Uh, it just it, And what's so exciting about it is that it felt pay-per-view level caliber, but I think they can still have a better pay-per-view match. Agreed. Completely Uh, agree. (laughs) It it was doing everything you need for TV, but saving enough for pay-per-view. Yeah. Brilliant. Because they told the story, like you said, um, but I feel like if they had more to sink their teeth into, there's some some really nice back selling as well uh, from... Cassidy. Cassidy, yeah, because he... Great spot. Matt Jackson in this moment of fury, almost a bit of frustration that's leaked out, gets Quinn and just runs... Was it? It was Quinn. Uh, yeah, yeah, Quinn. And it, I'm still learning everyone's names. And does this running powerbomb along the ramp and then pump, powerbombs him down. Yeah, he ran for ages. Yeah, it was awesome. So when the hot tag happened about three, four minutes later, Quinn jumps in, clears house... Kips up. I know so it, it was Cassidy because Cassidy was the one that was selling the back, and, he, oh, and right. he, he did the kip up. Kip up immediately sells the lower back. Yeah. I was just like, 
I'd forgotten about that and you brought it back and now it just everything feels like it it impacts more. I thought this was an I thought it was brilliant. I, I I understand the criticism that the Young Bucks probably should have won. Meltzer, have you listened to his review? I have show? not yet. So he's concerned that the AEW co-executive vice presidents have grown up loving old school wrestling, but are very aware of the Triple H's and the Hulk Hogan's and the Kevin Nash's oh, and all those people. They, they don't want to be... Um, a- accused of just putting yourselves over because you're the people that are in charge. Exactly. And there's been a lot of Twitter like stuff around that. A lot of people have tweeted, oh yeah, I bet they're going to win all the matches. Well, yeah, I've seen people say that to me about, oh, Cody's winning all of his matches. And of course he is. He's the guy in charge. I'm like, it doesn't come across that way. Though. Yeah, he's, he's winning because he's the star and he's also <laughs> giving the other guy so much in defeat. He drew with Darby Allen. Yeah. Uh, I say... And so I think what they've done is very noble. Kenny Omega, Cody, and the Bucks, who are the promotions that they're four of the promotions' top five stars, six really, with Moxley and Jericho. I would say they're the top six, and I all, I respect them for putting over the younger talent, but I'm also a bit like I agree with Meltzer. You kind of want to put yourselves <laughs> over a bit as well because you're the top guys. Yeah. Maybe get there's there's a there's a happy space in that between. Is, that is a really interesting. I mean, I haven't I hadn't considered that. To be mm. honest, that's a very interesting viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's let's see what any more thoughts on that opening match. No, I just thought it was great. Um, I mean, we'll we'll talk about sort of the overall uh, thoughts on the show. But I thought the, the, the crowd looked great again. The crowd mm. were were really really hot. Just the the building looked great. I my, my sort of my my big takeaway from this show is that last week's show was AEW setting out their stall. Here is what Dynamite is. If you want to come and pick yourself up a, a drink here, be our guest. And maybe they ordered the wrong drinks. And like, so, so there were a few bits that weren't right. Exactly. Someone asked for a uh, lemonade and you gave them a uh, Pepsi Max chair and you're like, ah, don't, well, ah, sorry. I st- I, I'll still drink it. I'll still drink it because <laughs> it's delicious. But, uh, you know, and uh, but this week was just like, OK, we've sort of set out that groundwork. Now let's do characters and stories. And this week was just littered with character and story, and I I loved it for it. Yeah, yeah. I just to echo that. I and I told this story on the podcast intro that we did beforehand. I ran into my well, our bedroom, not my lady partner's bedroom. We share a bed like adults. Mm-hmm. I ran in there this morning way too early after I watched this episode. And I was like, oh my god, it was amazing. It's exactly what I wanted AEW to be. Everything that they did last week, it's like they listened to our review. They fixed it, and they like there were no logic holes. Everything, I wouldn't change one single thing. And she said, oh, wow, what were the big things that happened then? I was like, nothing massive, (laughs) but it was so solid. It was such solid, entertaining wrestling. And she went, okay, so it's like average. I was like, it was was above average. (laughs) She's like, you're so excited for an above average show. I said, yes, yes, I am. Because this feels like the benchmark. This feels like the milestone they're going to use going forward. One more thing. I feel like the commentary's clicked as well. Oh, commentary was on fire for this episode. So good. JR cares. Yeah. JR, I was really... and that's, that's, I'm so happy to say that because I love JR. I grew up with JR. He's the voice of wrestling in my childhood. And he's been salty, JR, for the last four years. And I've wanted to like him, but I just can't get on board with him. I feel like stuff might have passed him by. And that's very sad to see your childhood heroes sort of age and not be as good as they once were. But here... I felt like he was. It's not it's not peak 100% what he can be, but I feel like he's on the right track. There was one moment in particular that I wanted to call out to, which it was during the uh, the women's tag match 
and they did a Vader bomb and Excalibur called it the Vader bomb and Tony Schiavone just goes, are we calling that a Vader bomb now? <laughs> it's like, is that officially just what the movie is called? And they're like, yeah. And then him and JR had a joke where they just go, well, we were going to call it a Leon White bomb. It didn't have quite the same ring to it. <laughs> <laughs> like, all three of them just shared this lovely moment mm. where Tony Schiavone found out that, oh, wow, Vader's got a move named after him. <laughs> yeah, really, really cool. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. But we've got some Wrestle Talk Patreon shout-outs to do first. Indeed, our pledge hammers at the $25 and above level get shout-outs on the Raw, AEW, and SmackDown episodes. I think that's the new order that we're going to try and do this in. So thank you very, very much, disrespectfully classy, Marky Blasi. Whoa, nice. thank you. Benny Sato just super-chatted. Oh, yeah. Negative chat. <laughs> it's not helpful. It's not helpful. <laughs> Um, Andy Datsun's number one fan Tomo There he is Rob Steiner Recliner Whoa, Yes Yo Adrian Rocky Nice oh, Lovely stuff there. Bad connection Thomas Lagden There's a pun Nice Woo. Today's Tom Sawyer Mean Mean Pride Cha-ching Cha-ching Great song You love that song 
Uh, sorry, it's me. Leader of the boys, Dalton Sizemore. Whoa. Nice, yeah. The incredible Tarzo. Yes. yes. Jeremy Spokane, Glass today. Smith. Hey. Whoa. And Leisure Suit Larry. Oh, thank, oh, you, thank you so, so, much, so much. Suzanne Mod. Mod um, so we've got Alex who is uh, getting our uh, super chats in, but also the Mod Mother is in there as well keeping you all in line and making sure you don't say horrible things. Double mods. The double mods, mate. Double mods. Uh, Alex probably needs a nickname. Hmm. He's Northern Irish. That's all I know. <laughs> well, you, you called him Modman last time. He likes Modman? Well, I mean, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't said as much. Alex, just put in the document what you'd like to be called and we'll probably call you something else. So, some super chats about the Bucks and the Private Party opener. James McCall writes... The pops that Mark Quen got when he was diving outside the ring and Darby got at the end of the show were louder than any in WWE in recent months. Yeah. The crowd were on fire again. Yeah. And this isn't a spoiler, but from what I've seen of NXT, ooh, it's, a, it's a bit more of a tepid crowd. Oh, really? I haven't seen anything from, from well, NXT. Uh, roughly the same people. And there's only there's less than a thousand of them. You, you're talking, how many people were at this show? Uh, four, the, this five? one. Yeah, yeah, about four or five thousand people, yeah. Sold out. It looked great. The sound was great. Apparently, I'm it wasn't really in, excited. Apparently, it wasn't in Boston, though. I got an email about this today. It was in Lowell, Massachusetts, which is down the road from Boston. And near Washington. Interesting. <laughs> Mike Dempsey, I kind of want to party privately. Ooh. So I guess he's excited about it. Yeah. Uh, Christian Baltimore, hearing the tag team wrestling chart oh, was amazing. Yeah, that's right. Tag team wrestling. So that's a new one. That's yeah. good. I haven't heard that for a while. And it's that's good because it's like, I wonder how many people went there who haven't really seen... AEW and the sort of tag matches the Bucks have had prior to this. They might have been like, like you know when Pete Dunne and uh, Tyler Bate had that NXT TakeOver match mm. and the whole crowd just started chanting UK. Yeah. And it felt like that was their first real exposure to how cool UK wrestling was. Yes. I got similar vibes from this with tag team wrestling. Yeah. Nate drops surname. How a private party an eight seed with only seven teams, LOL. I was like, I mean, I'm speculating here i don't know on this one i wonder if it's they as the tag team division overall and then including hybrid two within that who have got championship wins elsewhere which has seeded them higher despite the fact they haven't got the best win loss record in aew i thought seeding would be for the tournament only so isn't it because dark order get a bye dark order did get a bye but they beat the best friends who are also in the tournament huh i don't know yeah i don't uh, know on that one i'm, I'm as i said i'm i'm projecting my own thoughts mm. onto that as opposed to being like, well, this is what they have said to make it launch. It probably doesn't make sense. That's the sort of, like, that. that's so deep in the weeds that I don't mind if that's a, yeah. because uh, I didn't pick up on it. Uh, but the other, the stuff last week were, you know, no DQs. No DQs. Yeah. That, that's, that's probably bad. Dom Ioana, correct result with the Bucks losing. They don't need to win belts at this stage. They are clearly the best tag team. They have the ability to make other teams look incredible. Which is a really interesting way of looking at it. And quite a WWE one, I would say. Like, oh, this team's so good, they don't need the belts. Whereas the old school mentality, and one I tend to agree with, is they're so good, they're the best tag team, 
they should have the belts. If you're the best team in the world, you should be the champions. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. But I, I, I disagree. It, it is interesting because I, I, I can see both sides of the argument, which is why I don't hate the uh, the decision either way. Really, mm. just very much enjoyed it's, it. Well, yeah. that's it, and that's that's so great. Where you can book wrestling storylines where there are multiple good outcomes, mm. or as opposed to like. You know, like the fiend at the weekend. There was only one good outcome and loads of bad ones. Yeah. Uh, it's better to have loads of differently, equally exciting prospects that all make sense. Uh, after the, the Young Bucks match, we had all the heels. So last week, I was a bit trepidatious about this because I did think, oh, it feels a bit mm. mid-card of evil, this. Just a bit of four random lads just thrown together, you, you, your friends because you're heels. Sorry, did I say four? Um, four, but one. Santana and all these are one person. Yeah, <laughs> so four acts. Four acts. And that's Chris Jericho, J- Jake Hager. Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara and Tito and Tito and You've done it again. Santana and Ortiz. I'm um I'm a bit annoyed at uh, I, I mean a lot a lot on myself but also us as a duo ourselves because Stephen Larson started calling them XLAX. Oh, that's, that's so good. good and I'm like, ah. Yeah. Oh, kind of wish I'd, I know it's their thing now. Mm. Um anyway, so they're with XLAX. Um, and they come out. So I was a bit concerned that this sort was just, a, you know, five rando lads. They're all together because they're the heels and it could be a bit mid-card of evil. But in this one promo, they stopped feeling like mid-card of evil and felt like an actual faction. An actual faction with a goal and a common purpose and a reason for them all being together. <clears throat> I, uh, yeah, I'm still not, I'm still not 100% sold on it. I still think it feels a bit mishmash. Um, but that's not to say that this segment, this promo from Chris Jericho, wasn't an absolute home run. Mm-hmm. He is incredible, and I'm watching this and I'm thinking, this is why you are the champion. <laughs> yeah. This is why yeah. you have to be the the top title holder in this company, and probably for a long time because he feels so big time. He's got that mainstream recognition from his WWE career. And, you know, I love Hangman Page, but imagine if Page won. Yeah, I, I, I think Page was ever going to win. No. But, but to your point, I couldn't imagine what it would have been if he had won. Although, actually, I thought Page was wicked on this show um, in the tag match later. So Jericho takes credit. Like, he he's baby faces it up at the start. But then he turns it. He says, I'm the reason that the ratings were so good last week. Yeah. And it started to get, well, they started to say thank you, Jericho, as a chant from the crowd. He tells them to shut up. It was just a... He was so good, and he runs down each person, sort of reintroducing them to everyone. Yeah, because um, oh, sorry, go on. I say, and why they're on his list? Yeah, a lovely reference. But he's like Sammy Guevara. Look at him; he's a Spanish god. Look how sexy he is. It <laughs> <laughs> really, really made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and then said Santana and Ortiz, they're back alley brute, and I like it. They're on my list. And then he said, "Viva la raza." Yeah. On Eddie Guerrero's 52nd birthday, which was nice. Nice little touching. Yeah, there's an Eddie there. chance. Absolutely. And then uh, turns to Jake Hager and said he's the craziest MMA fighter. And then 
this is the key to this promo. And I can see you wrinkling your nose at the, uh, he's the crazy. I think you just gotta say, you gotta say these things. I know, well, in this pro wrestling world. Look, yeah, you do your bit first and then I'll say my bit. Well, no, let, we'll go through your bit because I think the next bit okay. is, is, is quite crucial. Yeah, so the exact wording, uh, Jericho called Hager the most feared MMA fighter in the world, mm. undefeated, yeah. and that's a shoot. Yeah. And it's not a shoot. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if there's some next level mind effery going on there where Jericho's intentionally trying to annoy me because that's such a stupid statement. Um, but he's not. He's, you know, he's what, 2-0 two and a, two two and and in yeah. Bama. Was it Bella? Bellator? Bellator, sorry. And I, I feel like that was a misjudged barb at Tyson Fury, Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. I just thought he was just saying he is the undefeated MMA fighter. He's the, you know, because um, uh, Jim Ross called him the undefeated MMA fighter. I figured they just gave him that title because... It's just a title to give him, and we're wrestling fans. We don't really look into this. I think that's the kind of overall consensus. Mm. And those that do will be like, like, I mean, yeah, he's undefeated, but he has been fighting jabronis, so it doesn't really matter too much. I I must not have made a note of it, but I'm sure he said uh, boxers, fighters, and something else Mm. as well. All the people that Hager's better than, which just so happened to be all the people WWE leaned on for ratings last they week. They certainly did, yeah. So, and, and to be honest, bearing in with what he said later, I could totally buy into that was a intended jibe. Yeah, so I, I mean... But it's not a war. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a jibe, but like, t- only take the jabs that make you look good. Because in, in that jab, I was like, oh no, yeah, Hager isn't as good as all those three <laughs> yeah. people. So, yes. Mm. But now you can go on to We The People. Yeah, because the crowd started chanting We The People, which was Jack Swagger's old gimmick when he was in WWE. And Jericho tells the crowd to shut up. And he says, We The People sucked. It's a stupid idea from bad creative. We The People is dead. And it felt like he was thinking on his feet. Yeah. That felt like an improvised line. Yeah. And that's incredible. And the crowd, like, both booed and cheered at the same time <laughs> yeah. because they're like oh shoots on WWE Way. it was and yeah like we the people got over and it was an okay gimmick but really it was also a dumb gimmick and it was something we just held on to because we like Dutch Mantel we like we like Jack Swagger at the time their music's great yeah their music's great the stuff with Cesaro <laughs> like when i think of we the people I more think of Cesaro and Swagger getting just, over. Which is really weird. <laughs> very... I thought that was a more shared thing. I think that's just me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, do you know what? They, I thought Hager was really, really great. He is a very intimidating presence because he's the tallest of the group. He just stands there at the back, not saying anything, not blinking. He just looks like a very terrifying presence. And I thought the same thing when he came out later for the tag match, sort of like as, as Jericho's sort of bodyguard in seconds. All right, Vince. <laughs> He's tall. Honestly, for me, I still haven't seen it. Uh, it. I. It. Oh, sorry. Knocked my mic. <laughs> uh, I. I, I, at the moment, he is just a tall guy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry if. I, I'm not negating how anyone else is feeling. It's just to me personally. I don't feel like there's a threat there. I feel like he's a guy who's sort of still awkwardly getting used to this again. Um, but, you know, it's Jericho did a very good job at making this mishmash of a group feel like something coherent. He said they're called the inner circle. 
Yeah, which I thought, I, I mean, I've, I said this in my review later, but I may be like way off base here. It just so happens that TNT sent out through their Twitter account like a feedback form to AEW's Dynamite debut mm. show. And that was from TV in a Circle. Like a, like a group, I guess it's like a group think tank or sort of like a, a sort yeah. of a sort of an independent group that huh. you can hire for sort of feedback on shows. Yeah. And um, it kind of works. Like, so maybe it's a reference to that. It might not be. It might just be very much a coincidence thing. But it totally works for their group because the story here is that Jericho came into AEW with no friends and he very quickly alienated himself from everyone by acting in the way that Jericho does. But ever so, like week by week, more people are seeing it Jericho's way. Santana and Ortiz sort of approached him to be like, we thank you for what you've done for this company. And that's why they were the six man last week. Sammy appreciates what Jericho is doing. He's brought in Hager to be his sort of like, so it is Jericho didn't have any friends in AEW, but now he does. And that's his inner circle, which also, I mean, I didn't actually think I've literally just come to my head. It's a Vince thing. Because Vince always has his inner circle mm. and you have to try and get your way into the inner circle in order to be sort of like considered to have your opinion heard. It very much could be that. Yeah, I wonder correct. if it is that, yeah. I, I th There's also a, a level of meta-ness going on here, which is totally in Kenny Omega's ballpark. Or, and, and the Bucks with their self-referential style as well of booking storylines. The actual inner circle are the people who own and run the company, oh, which yeah, is yeah. the opponents of the inner circle. Yeah. So it's interesting how they've managed to create this unified force that the actual unified force are having to come together to take on. Yeah. So Cody, Omega and the Bucks actually feel like quite distinct units when really they are the inner circle. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I think it's really, really good. I think what Jericho did here... It was an excellent promo. Um, it just, yeah, he came off like an absolute star. At the end of it, he calls, he brought, of course, because he's a pro, brought it back to the next opponent, brought it back to buy this pay per view. Yeah. Here's why. He calls Cody rubbish, doesn't like his family. He calls Dusty Rhodes a jerk. Oh. And that is like a god in this promotion. His brother's a moron, speaking yep. to Dustin, and he'll beat the S-word out of Cody. The ever-loving S-word. <laughs> Uncensored. And then he's going to have a little bit the of the bubbly. bubbly. Superb promo. Yeah, and then Excalibur said, I've just had a text message come through to say that they've got a T-shirt now on Pro Wrestling Tees, which is a really nice way of then of AEW promoting, hey, go buy our new T-shirt, but not have essentially your babyface commentator say, go buy the Heel Group's T-shirt. It was more like the insider mm. thing of being like, I've just had a text message. They've already got a T-shirt up. Do you know about this? Yeah. It's uh, apparently uh, Pro Wrestling Tees' store crashed. Crashed. Because I guess they've never had... You've got to imagine... I'm going to predict after last week's rating, you've got 1.3 million people watching. And they are all probably super into this. If you I'd, Pro Wrestling Tees has, has never had an audience of 1.3 million people being directed to their <laughs> side at one time. So you can obviously see what happened there. Yeah. Uh, very, but very good for them. Great way to tie in merch, like you said, without it feeling overly pushy. Just uh, this whole show... I would not have changed a thing. That's not to say everything was this memorable all-time great moment. Absolutely not. But I had a problem with literally nothing. Yeah. And that is such a pleasurable experience. Uh, next totally up, we've got Jimmy Havoc versus Darby Allen. Uh, a really nice bit of matchmaking to set up a, a world title shot for the next week. Well, I, I found this to be really interesting because this match was announced on Tuesday, I think. It was like Monday or Tuesday. It was definitely Monday it was announced. Right. And... 
I was I got instantly very excited because I was like, oh man, that's great. Havoc versus Allen. Yes, please, mate. I'll have that. And then the winner becomes the number one contender. <laughs> this is big thumbs up. And instantly everyone was like, that doesn't make sense. Why those two? What about Pac? Where's this? What about this person? What about this person? And Cody, someone, Cody responded to one of the more reasonable people to uh, ask this question being like, well, uh, Jimmy beat three of the top prospects in the Cracker Barrel Clash. So we feel like he deserves this opportunity. Alan went all the way with me at uh, yeah, Fighter Fest yeah. and we went to a time limit draw. I'm currently the number one contender. And he beat uh, Shima on AEW Duck, who's a legend. So that, like, those two together, sort of like within context, yeah, these two do deserve a shot to then get a shot at the AEW Championship. And all those people that were talking about Pac then became a character motivation for him later in the show when he came out to be like, why am I here for the chit-chat? I should be in that ring as the number one contender. Why am I here for the chit-chat? Pet. <laughs> is, is verbatim what Neville said. Yeah, pack. Uh, yeah, sorry. Well, <laughs> what's wrong with me? I said I said Ty Dillinger earlier. Um, so I... I, yeah, I love it. I think I think it's great. Plus, you can even make the argument, yeah, Pac, you've got a really solid win-loss record. You've been in Omega, you've been in Page. Those are two of our biggest guys. That's why you're going to get a pay-per-view match. Mm. So you can still make it all work, and it ties in beautifully. Yeah. Anyway, this match, uh, Jimmy Havoc got a nice little promo backstage beforehand to set up his character because he hasn't really been introduced to this TV audience yet. I would... And I've seen Jimmy Havoc promos. He's an excellent promo. I, I, this one didn't really work for me, unfortunately. I felt like it came... You know when, like, NXT people get called up? And I'm not saying it's anywhere near as bad as this. I'm just giving a parallel example. NXT people get called up and WWE main roster are like, this is your gimmick. That's all you're allowed to say? Yeah. And it, it felt like that with Jimmy Havoc and Payne here. Mm -hmm. So he was just talking about pain. I feel pain. I'm going to make the world feel pain. Very well delivered, but... It's just knowing what he can do, I, I didn't think this was the best version. And then there's tied into the commentary afterwards because JR said, look, I've spoken to both these guys. They don't want to just be known as the hardcore guys. They want to show that they can also wrestle, which is like a big Jimmy Havoc thing back mm. in, sort of in progress yeah, days. Yeah. Uh, this match was pretty much entirely built around nibbling fingers. Oh, no. oh people were nibbling those fingers. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. But it was really nice because it was all like Jimmy Havoc was biting Alan's fingers that he kept selling throughout the match, which I thought was nice. But then it turned out biting the fingers gave Alan the idea later on. And it was Jimmy's undoing because he went to do the uh, the acid rainmaker. And Alan bit the fingers off of that while he was maintaining wrist control. Mm. Hit the flipping stunner and the coffin drop for the win. That was a decent match. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was. It was nice. Um, love the coffin drop. I also really, I never see, so it's very, very rare to see a suplex. It's often teased. Mm. A suplex from inside the ring outside when i saw that it was these two did i was like are they gonna do this <laughs> it, 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 just so everyone like knows if you ever see that and you know i'm watching it i'm getting excited <laughs> and it always makes me really excited yeah uh, it happens in punk cena yeah and money in the bank 2011 just yeah, yeah. another reason to love that match <laughs> but yeah like that's a horrible bump to take for alan i also loved the um so uh, Jimmy had him in the sleeper hold at one point and Alan stood up and again climbed the ropes and almost did the coffin drop mm. off the middle rope to break up the hold, uh, to break up the sleeper hold. Really, really nice in this. Um, he got the, the hand on the rope from the Tiger driver. Really was trying to build up um, Darby Allen and, yeah. and really put him over. So if I'm being super critical, uh, I would say 
these guys, it's not like they're exposed without all the hardcore stuff and the blood and guts, but I think they would have benefited from a longer match, slightly longer, three, mm-hmm. four minutes, five minutes, let's just say five minutes, because a lot of it was in the commercial break. Yeah, yeah. An extra five minutes, I think, would have made both of them more over. Yeah, I can certainly, I, I can certainly agree with that. It's actually very interesting watching this via fight. Because when the the Americans oh, I didn't get... watch the fight feed. Oh, did you not? No. So I watched the fight feed. It's very interesting because uh, the obviously you Americans are watching this on TNT. You're getting ad breaks. We're not getting ad breaks. Mm. We're getting continued action. And we had access to that. And the commentators still commentate the match, yeah. and they say thank you for watching this on the fight TV, uh, the fight app. You're still getting this, and they commentate as if nothing has happened. And then eventually we'll just go, we're back now, folks, for, for TNT. Um, That's really good. So it is really good. And it's just watching the action through the commercial break. It never felt like we're in a commercial break. Mm. I, it was only until Shivani or Jim Ross said, we're back, folks, that I was like, oh, right, we were in a commercial break that whole time. As opposed to if that happened in WWE, could if probably we're, it's a tell, comparison, yeah. rest hold. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, we got Emmy, Emi? Uh, uh, sorry, it's um, Emi Sakura. Emi Sakura and B Priestley. I might have said that very, very. Oh, Amy, uh, I might have gone. I did this wrong in my review earlier, and I had to do a retake of it. Versus Rio, the women's champion. Sa- of it's course. Sakura as well. And it's Britt Sakura. I Baker. Um, I, it's weird seeing an Asian Freddie Mercury <laughs> work heel. <laughs> I just assumed that would be total babyface. Uh, but shit, Sakura is the. She, Sakura. Like, Sakura is dressed like Freddie Mercury. She's with B. Priestley. B. Priestley has so much charisma. She's great. Yeah. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, she's really, really good. I would say out of these four, like Britt Baker, did, like she didn't really feel like she had anything. But after this match was done, I thought, God, I love the Freddie Mercury stuff. Rio is just this insanely sympathetic baby face. I'm yeah. so into her. Yeah. And it's just the like... The pop she got really yeah. coming out. And I'm really surprised because, you know, that that sort of champion, and, and she's, you know, let's be honest, she's one-dimensional. <laughs> she's like, smiles. Yeah. And that, I usually hate that stuff. Yeah. Or 98 pounds of her. I'm so into her <laughs> winning every match, and I love her. And I think that's a testament to the foresight of Kenny Omega, mm. because I don't think going back to um, Fighter Fest, and actually, actually going back to Double or Nothing, that... Riho will be the the first AEW Women's Champion, and yeah. she will be massively over with this crowd. But Kenny Omega is clearly the guy who's been going to bat for her because they work together, they're training partners, and he's going, she is an absolute yeah. star. We make her champion, she's going to be so over. Yeah, and it's nice to have a babyface champion. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, And B Priestley, I thought, just, she's so good. Yeah. Like, she, the way she gets up in people's faces feels uncomfortably realistic. Like she's done that a lot in Maidstone outside <laughs> well, a club. Yeah, I mean, it, it is also uncomfortably realistic in that she gave Britt Baker a concussion at uh, Fighter Fest oh, yeah. and she gave her a black eye in this match as well. They posted a photo on Twitter of, of Britt Baker with this massive black eye and I'm like, come on, guys. It's not real. Okay, well, yeah, maybe... maybe. <laughs> She's Will's girlfriend, so <laughs> lay it in. He's probably telling her over the phone. I, do, you know what? My, do you know what one of my favourite spots of this match was, though? And it may just be that I've just, you know, because Sakura is not someone that I've been exposed to mm. all that much. Maybe she does this all the time. But I love the spot that she did when Britt Baker's in the corner and she runs on the outside of the ropes oh. and dives through and does a spear 
inside yeah. in the court. I was like, I don't even know how you managed to do this, but you it, you did it, and it looked really great. Yeah, Sakura's got so many little bits like that. I thought you were going to say when Britt Baker was in the corner and she did the stomp, stomp, <laughs> clap to do the We Will Rock You yeah. thing. And it was at that moment I thought, because she was working heel, I was like... Your eighties Freddie Mercury. Your, sorry, your eighties Honky Tonk Man. Because <laughs> <laughs> Honky Tonk Man was a heel Elvis impersonator, yeah. going back to the fifties. But he was an eighties gimmick, and now we've got Sakura doing the same with Freddie from the the eighties. Sakura. Sakura. God damn it. Uh, I think I might have said the same thing wrong as well. To be, to be fair, um, but I, I thought this was this was good fun. Uh, this is actually better than the uh, the tag match they had on Dark, uh, the AEW Dark. So um, I, I thought it did really well. Put Britt Baker over because they've clearly got massive plans for for her. I really like her submission move. She's got sort of like this. It's kind of the rings of Saturn, but it's also got the mandible claw in there as well because she's a dentist. Um, so I thought that was a really nice touch. She's going to be facing Riho next week for the AEW Women's Championship mm. off the back of these two wins um, on Dark and on this show. I reckon B will have some interference there. They brawled after the match. I would well. certainly imagine mm. so, yeah. Uh, yeah, not, I'm not too into Brit. No? You're not feeling I, I'm, it? I'm into everyone else. Uh, I'm not really feeling Baker. Do you know what my other favourite moment of this match was? It was when they were making their entrance because um, uh, Amy Sakura, Sakura rather, did her entrance with B Priestley because she's the big Freddie Mercury thing. B Priestley trying to do her super cool entrance and she's posing and Sakura just lifts up her microphone to B <laughs> Priestley. She's like, you're going to join in singing, right? And she looks like, goes, huh, what's that? Pushing her away. So next we got Low-key, my favourite segment. <laughs> I've seen people really down on this. Well, it, I'm not I'm not even just talking about the guy who's on your shirt. I'm talking about from the very start. But that's what I mean. I've seen, yeah. Some people thought this video package was super stupid. I think those people might be dealing with some <laughs> just some general hate levels that are <laughs> unwarranted. So the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, it just cuts to Chuck, Chucky running towards the camera in slow motion in a denim <laughs> ja sleeveless jacket and denim trousers. Double, double denim. Double denim. And then it cuts to the reverse. Trent's doing the exact same running slow-mo the other way. It cuts to the a Canadian wide. Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> cuts to a wide. They're in this park and they just run together and hug. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. And then it does like the big Rainmaker <laughs> camera zoom out. And then it cuts to the best friends at ringside. And before, it was a tout, wasn't it? It, it was wasn't true. a tout, it was um, someone else. I just assumed it was a tout. But a female interviewer is about to ask them a question. And you can hear Chucky e. T just say, that was great. <laughs> he said, <laughs> goes, that's the best video I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> best video I've ever seen in my life. So funny. The guy's so naturally witty. And, yeah. Well, not witty, because it's not like very intelligent stuff he's saying. But his time and his delivery, always been really uh, a big fan of Chucky e. T's comedy. Um, but then, yeah, he, they, they, they say the Bucks have been eliminated, you know, top seed. How do you feel in your chances against SCU next week? And Chucky says, don't ask us, ask this guy. And they part like the Red Sea and sat there in his denim jacket and his T-shirt of himself wearing a T-shirt is Orange Cassidy. And he just slowly puts the thumbs up. Brilliant. And it was a huge pop. Massive pop for Cassidy. That camera work was brilliant. <laughs> like, I, just, I, I, I don't want to keep 
comparing it to WWE. But you're going to continue. I know. It's so <laughs> hard not to. I'm, ju- I'm just doing the comments job I know, uh, I'm for sorry, them. Sorry, <laughs> comments. I hate me too, but I can't stop myself <laughs> because I've been reviewing and watching WWE so intensely for five years now, and now a promotion has come along that's doing everything so much better. It's hard not to give me this. <laughs> Give me just a couple more weeks. So, tell me about this camera. Why? Is, I, I don't really know what to say other than Kevin Dunn would have screwed this up. Ah, <laughs> uh, I, yeah. It was the camera. So, one of the big things about filmmaking is you want the aesthetics of your camera to match the characters or the tone or whatever. This camera, that camera angle was as cool as Orange Cassidy. Yeah. The whole blocking and the move in the pardon ways, it's just a... Yeah, it. I wouldn't have changed anything. It was it was beautiful and perfect, and I'm so happy. Yeah, really, really happy that AEW is the show I wanted it to be, and not one where they randomly don't DQ people. <laughs> uh, next up, we got. I've run in Tully versus Mox. <laughs> that was that's not quite what happened. No, it wasn't part. Yeah, no, it was Sean Spears versus uh, John Moxley, the chairman. Um, Sean Spears, no contacts on him uh, this week. Um, mm. I guess he's saving that for pay-per-views, really, for, for those real heated uh, rivalries. And then uh, Pac joins the, the commentary desk where they talk about what we mentioned earlier, which is that I don't know why those two got a shot at the title. I've got yeah. a 2-0 yeah. record here in AEW. Do you know how many times I've been pinned in the last two years? Just the once. That's unparalleled in this day and age. And it's just his delivery mm. of that. And then once he's made his point, he just sits back and he just watches the ring and he just watches the action unfold. It was brilliant work. And he only piped up if the commentary team turned to him and said, so what do you think about this? And it would turn up and go like, where's my title shot? Yeah. Where, why am I not getting these title shots? It was, it was magnificent. Yeah. Like this, this is how you do a guest wrestler commentary yeah. on a match. Britt Baker. (laughs) She was scouting the the action as well, I guess. Uh, So I and and Pax there being excellent on commentary, along with an excellent commentary team now. But Tully Blanchard, (laughs) I I cannot get over how excellent Tully is. Well, I mean, he is a former horseman. Like it makes so much sense that he's very good at pro wrestling. Luke, 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 he's just been sitting there. He's just been sitting there and no one's been doing anything with him. And AW and Cody most likely have had the foresight or rather hindsight to go, hey, we should probably use this incredibly yeah. talented guy and just pairing him with Spears. It just clicks. It just works. He does need some wins, though. Mm. He's 0-2 now, uh, is Sean Spears. Um, I think they might have picked up a win in a tag match, but like in singles competition, he's 0-2. And uh, also, as well, this is Moxley's AEW in-ring debut. This is his debut match because he didn't get the match at all out uh, due to the uh, staff infection, which Mm. means we didn't know that Justin Roberts was going to transfer his John Cena entrance to John Moxley. Yeah! Yeah! We get the full works now. It's back, baby. Uh, And so is the black trunks. I love that look. Yeah, I really like it. And I just... As soon as Mox got in the ring, straight up in Sean's face. Just like oh, that ACE start. So match. good, yeah. yeah. Really hot from the get-go. I mean, it, it was a... It's it's difficult. Mox is really, really charismatic. Um, it's a lot of axe handles, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, so, it's, it's simple stuff. Yeah, it's simple stuff, but he's got a ferocity about it. 
And that's really good if you've got a varied card where there's a bit of something for everyone. His style of wrestling so far, although he had an excellent G1, and I love the stuff there, but it's the same as when he was in WWE. I never really got into his matches. Okay. Very rarely. I'm being, remember, AW higher standard. I'm being hypercritical of this because I, I really enjoyed this match. I love Moxley. But when it comes to the in-ring part, I do, he's, his in-ring stuff is never as cool as everything else about him. Okay, me. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think, and I certainly don't think you're wrong to, to have that opinion. I, I mean, I really enjoyed this match and it really worked for me. I mean, the, if I was to be hypercritical of this match, it was um, Sean Spears working him over for 90% and then he came back and won. Mm. Um, and that came off the back of Tully interference. Um, really, like Tully pushed him into the the ring steps. Will shout out to uh, Jr. though, not being salty. Jr. just talking about how, like previously, salty Jr. would just be like, "That's dumb. It makes no sense." Yeah, yeah. Here, he was like, "I'd want to admo- admonish the referee for doing that. Hmm. The referee missed that, and that's not good." I want to have a word with people in the back about the referees aren't doing their job properly. He's a stickler for the rules, is Jr. So I really I appreciated that on the commentary desk and him pointing out. That shouldn't happen. The referee should be doing more. I think was was really, really nice. Also, that Death Valley driver into the barricade, the, the corner portion of the barricade, oh, yeah. that was actual death. <laughs> I feel that on the JR commentary and calling out those referee decisions, and AEW in general, the referees were that they went through great lengths to protect the referees from not seeing these obviously DQ moments. Mm. And JR like played that up as well. They have learned so much from last week. Yeah. And if that, you know, I thought, oh, okay, this is the first week. Maybe in a month's time they're going to have fixed all these bits. Because, you know, it's a new company. They fixed everything. We too. Like that le- that rate of progression <laughs> is very promising. Yeah. So really, really exciting stuff. I mean, we, we still haven't figured out... Uh, live streaming on Screen Stalker. <laughs> no, absolutely not. There's, a, and, there's and, an audio issue every day. Something new, something different. And we're in the uh, top 10 wrestling YouTube channels, it turns out. Was was there a, a list? Oh, yeah. There's a, they, they did a ranking of like the one, like top 100 YouTube wrestling channels. And we are number seven. We're above, up, up, down, down in terms of views. Who did this list? What culture? <laughs> oh, they are quite high up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't quite remember who it was. I'll send you across there. It's been shared around by a lot of people because a lot of our friends have done very well for themselves in that list as well. Who's above us? Uh, I think the Bella Twins are WWE are above us. What culture are above us? Um, Grimm's and... Um, it's just based on subscribers. Subscribers and views. Oh. Um, I think up, up, down, down are beating us though. They are in terms of scri- uh, subscribers, but not views. Say <laughs> that, Xavier Woods. Say <laughs> that, Creed. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, this was very fun. But what was what made this match really, really great is the post-match angle. So oh, Mox yeah. picks up the win. Yeah. Um, and Kenny Omega just appears at the top of the ramp afterwards. And he has a, ba- a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire and a mop, a broom in barbed wire yeah and he just like moxie gets out the ring he's down the ramp from him and omega just throws in the bat yeah and it is just such a badass challenge and this is like this is omega this is how he likes to tell stories that sort of comic book like this felt like a comic book panel 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 one page where they're both looking at each other from across the uh, a divide and you know moxie picks up the the baseball bat they're just about to go at it and then Pac hits Omega in the back of the head with a chair. Yeah. 
beautiful. Multiple feuds, multiple stories. Different you, different motivations, this big sort of 3D fleshed out world. You you hold off on the Mox Omega big hardcore brawl with, with barbed wire, you've got to presume. And you add pack in it all seamlessly. Just fantastic. And just the cherry on top of this was that Mox is now standing over a lifeless Omega with a baseball bat. You've got to think, oh, okay, I know Mox. He's going to beat the crap out of Omega when he's down. But he, he thinks about it. And then he just discards the bat and walks off. Yeah. What a character moment. And it's very interesting as well because, um, not to spoil next week's AEW Dark, but one of the matches on there is Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela mm. in an unsanctioned match. And, you know, that is, oh, no. Ah! Moxley has had a match in AEW. We had the unsanctioned match with Joey Janela. Oh, bollocks. I say my review. It's his uh, in-ring debut. Technically, it's not... You know, it was unsanctioned. Yeah, so it wasn't bollocks, I just body. remembered that. Because I was lit. I was just thinking then. <laughs> and that's a mirror of what Moxley did when he came in and he had his yeah, debut yeah. match. It was the unsanctioned match against Joey Janela. And that kind of ties into what Omega's promo mm. was about Moxley. It was like, you wanted to be me. So you went to Japan. You did the G1. You wrecked your body doing that. Nice. And now he is trying to do the Moxley thing. I think that's a really, really interesting sort of character yeah. piece for it. Bugger, that's annoying, though. <laughs> Might see if I just can re-edit that if he's already finished it. Uh, the Yeah, it, it's just already great. Apparently that match, by the way, I don't know if you've heard, is an absolute blinder. I've heard it's brutal, <clears> yeah. Like 25 minutes all around. The, There's only two matches on Dark next week, yeah. Um, it's only an hour show, though, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah but there were uh, four matches on this week's Dark. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how that ends. Really, really good stuff. And then we've got our main event. I'm like, bloody hell, this show has flown by. I mean, five <laughs> matches. Yeah, five uh, matches. It's Hangman Page and Dustin Rhodes, the natural. I did, is Justin Roberts introducing them as, well, they call him the natural? <laughs> it's not the natural Dustin Rhodes. Well, they call him <laughs> the natural. I hope he does. Uh, versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, rep. Repping the inner circle. Indeed, yeah. Um, they announced. Uh, they said that uh, that Page reminds him. Or Jr. I think it was Jr. I think it was Tony Schiavone. Actually, said that Hangman Page reminds me of Barry Windham, mm. who was once a partner of Dustin Rhodes. So it's a nice little yeah, sort yeah. of callback as well, which is why there's like, well, that's why this team are getting on so well. It's because he's a mini. He's a mini Barry Windham. Yeah, and it was really, really good. And now I also as well appreciate because they announced time limits for the matches mm. this one was time limit was until the end of the show yeah that so, is nice and it's nice it just adds that extra realism to it it's like well we've got to go off the air folks so unfortunately this match is a draw because that's the time limit mm. that wasn't how it ended though no it wasn't yeah, no, yeah, I'm yeah, saying but, but had, it, it, yeah, had it gone yeah, to that is, that is good uh, Jericho comes down with Jake Hager as the muscle um, and yeah this was just the, Dustin was really really effective in his grizzled veteran role he got a hot tag at one point and we're just moving. It wasn't the, the running nope. boom, boom, boom. It was, I'm going to move, come over here, do a move, come over here, do a move. It was really steady and measured. I oh loved my God, it. Be, he's incredible. Yeah. Like he is on another <laughs> level incredible. Yeah. Like there's a reason why they call him the natural. And the commentary desk were just like, when he like started wrestling, that's what people called him, the natural, because he picked it up like straight away. He was already one of the best. And he's only just gotten better with every <laughs> passing year mm -hmm. that he's been doing this. Um, do you know you uh, miss you put Tully down earlier? Tully versus Moxley. Um, my uh, spelling mistake for this week is I've written Dustink. Dustink. <laughs> Dustink Rhodes. Dustink, incredible. Uh, just to, just as a testament for 
like sometimes when I watch wrestling and the crowds don't react to spectacular moves, I'm like, well, you know, we're, we're all we've seen so much now as society that, that like a, a, a headlock won't shock us anymore. It's not going to get that level of mm. heat. Dustin did a second rope crossbody on Sammy and Jericho. The crowd went mad. <laughs> Lost it. And it's like it's not. It's not about re-educating the audience. It's about getting them into characters and storylines and spots. Yeah. Like, if you do just go, oh, let's hit a triple moonsault off the top rope to the outside before an ad break, it's just a spot. I don't know. Just off the top of my head. I don't know where that could have come <laughs> from. But here, it's like... It's oh very no, specific. It's part, it's, part of a, it's part of a larger tapestry. I, yeah, I loved it. Simple, simple moves can be over if you're into the people doing them. And on top of that, when you do a running shooting star press like Hangman Page does, it will also get the big yeah. reaction because it popped me. So I'm like, good lord, that's incredible! Like, yeah. that's an attractive move. <laughs> like, it's so it looks great. So uh, Hager starts to interfere a lot. He's like whacking Dustin behind the referee's back. Uh, well, stopping. Dustin from cheating himself, actually, who's going to low blow Chris yeah. Jericho in the corner. And then a Judas effect for the win. Yeah. And then, you can't do this every week, but my God, this was the best of WCW Nitro. Wasn't <laughs> it? Just. Um, for a couple of other things I wanted to shout out in that match. I thought uh, Hangman's Discus Lariat, mm. like, Lariat was absolutely like beautiful. Havoc hit a discus punch yes. earlier in the in a, a different yeah. match. That was great. Oh, so, so good. I, I really, really enjoyed that, that main event. And just, I, I couldn't get over how good Dustin was. Mm. So after that, as if that wasn't enough, you know, like really good wrestling, here's some cracking angles that further a ton of different feuds here for you right now. So let's try and get, I'm just going to do a play-by-play. Go for it. Stop me if I forget anything. Judas effect for the win. It's now a three-on-one brawl. Page comes in, but Hager takes him out, and they sort of brawl off into the distance. So previously, it was I thought it was going to be Hager and Dustin, but maybe it's going to be Hager, Hager and, and Page. Page, which you know is a bit more exciting to me because the other one is WWE 2008. Uh, then it's two-on-one on Dustin in the ring. Cody chance the lights cut out. The lights come back on. There's Cody in his full suit. He's behind Sammy, takes out Sammy, squares off against Jericho. Of course, they're going to have the full gear match for the title. But Ortiz and Santana run down and beat him up. They're all beaten on Cody. And then out comes MJF, Cody's best friend. MJF loves Cody. He's his mentor. He's there with a chair. He's going to save him, but stops. And Jericho and Ortiz and Santana hold Cody in position. Like, go on, hit Cody with the chair. Now's the time. And MJF, like, thinks about it. Or does he? Was it just a way to throw them all off and then he saves Cody? That moment was absolute fire. Yeah, oh, do you know what? I've written my notes here. MJF rundowns for the save. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, he doesn't! <laughs> like, I got totally bought into it. I really bought into the turn. If this was another company, it would have been the turn because they just rushed through something. <laughs> they turn the heel heel. <laughs> they turn the heel heel, yeah. It, it, it just look at and you say, nah, you've been a bit melodramatic or that's hyperbole. Literally happened with Kevin Owens and the New Day this year. Yeah. It was the week after and they burnt through so much booking that could have happened there. This, I, I've got to feel, I mean, I, 
It'll probably happen next week now. I've got to feel six months, nine months down the line. We're not going to see another bit of tension like this. And it will happen when we least expect it. But MJF will turn on Cody. And when it happens, it's going to be a nuclear program. Yeah. In the same way, actually, I was thinking about this. Because Jericho's got the best record in AEW at the moment. I mean, he should do. He's the champion. When he gets that first loss, I really feel like it's going to mean something. Mm. Yeah, I really hope that MJF doesn't turn on Cody in the full gear title match. I think that's way too soon. I think that's too soon as well. It may very well happen, but I I would say it's too soon. But we're not done there. Nope. MJF is just this mega pop for MJF. Everyone's going crazy for him. And this... I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I loved this bit of character work here because this is a big baby face moment for MJF. Ultra heel MJF because he's chairing The Miz, he's chairing Santana and Ortiz. Just say The Miz. No, it's because <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. I don't even know why. Santana, MJF yeah, yeah, days. perhaps it is. Santana and Ortiz, and he hits Jericho and lays them out. And it's this big baby face moment, and he gets all fired up from the baby face moment and then goes right back to being cocky MJF, being like, yeah, of course, Jimmy, I am better than you, yeah. and you do know it. And then runs, turns around into a code, uh, code breaker from Jericho. And yeah. I'm like, oh, MJF, your cockiness it was your undoing there. Amazing. And then the Bucks run down and go for Ortiz and Santana. That makes sense because of what happened at All Out. <laughs> what did I? I didn't <laughs> no, say that. No, you didn't. Because that feud started at All Out. And, you know, it looks like now the Bucks are out the tag team tournament. That's the feud they're going to pursue. And and then it's just like, what a 10-man tag this has got to be to main event. A big episode of The go-home episode before Full Gear. Yeah, Cody, Young Bucks, MJF and Dustin. Yep. It's the, yeah, against... The inner circle. The inner circle. Really, really exciting. And then Jericho's walking up the ramp, backing away from the baby faces in the ring, acting all cocky. And I'm like, okay, here's the end. No, wait. There's probably the best part of the show outside of a double denim hug. (laughs) And that is Darby Allen, the number one contender for next week's title match after winning against Jimmy Havoc earlier in the night. Comes down the ramp on a skateboard Jumps off and hits Jericho. And then he uses that skateboard as a weapon. And then just to make sure that we all know this feud is super serious, uh, Jericho said the next week is going to be Darby Allen's funeral, bitch. Yeah. So you know it's serious. And uh, well, so that's, again, great promo work from Jericho because he's he's walking off. Make sure to tune in next week (laughs) and also the pay-per-view. That's effectively what he said, but in a pro-wrestling way. Brilliant. So many entwining feuds, so much chaos, so much fun. Luke, it's a five-star show. Is, are you going fault the fault? I'm going, all I'm blowing my load. I'm all in. I'm all in. This, to me, I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed it so much more than last week. I wouldn't change a thing. I know I always say you need three memorable spots to make it a five-star thing, but sometimes you just got to go with your heart, and I feel it. Freaking love this show. And it did have those moments. It had the skateboard. It had MJF. It had the double denim hug. (laughs) It's five out of five. Flawless show. So excited. And I've fallen in love with AEW all over again. I thought it was an amazing show. Absolutely amazing. Two hours of television. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Well, let's see what your super chats are saying. Um, <laughs> I don't. If 
if it's this good every week, we can't talk for an at 70 minutes about the show. That's what we've done. Uh, so also, we've got some suggestions for the mod, Alex Mod's name. Yeah, I've just seen what that first suggestion is. Because of his Northern Irish heritage, he is the backstop. <laughs> the backstop. <laughs> the backstop mod, yeah. Alex. Uh, so we've got a few more from the Inner Circle and Jericho chat. From Oh, no, these are new chats. These are new they? ones, yeah. So KJ says, The Inner Circle feels like the mid-card of Evil 2.0, just a bunch of heels teaming up for no reason. I mean, I, I, I covered this earlier. I, I think they actually do have a storyline reason to get together. Um, and it, it all spins out from Jericho's debut in AEW. I do think it's a bit mishmash, but they seem to be making lemonade out of those mishmashy lemons. But they've also got one of each. You've got a tag team, you've got your high fly, you've got your super heavyweight, and you've got your heavyweight in yeah. there. Uh, JobberJJ496, Holly Davis's number one fan, says Jericho swearing on TV was great and taking a shot at WWE creative was funny and I'm glad there was a shock because it makes it less predictable. Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, Tim Arndt, I didn't like Jericho using terms like shoot. It breaks my immersion and just reminds me that the rest of the show is predetermined. So that's when he was talking about Jake Hager. Yeah, but it, it shoots is what he means is just when like that it's real talk, not like that is real. Mm-hmm. It's 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 when uh, Paul Heyman used to do it on ECW. He'd say like that's a shoot. This network doesn't like us, and this network doesn't want us on TV. And that, my friends, that is a shoot. I see what Tim's it's like a saying. Shoot, a shoot interview. Yeah, I I see what Tim's saying though in terms like oh, so everything else isn't real. Well, no, but. That's- no, because I think it's, it's... It can be interpreted both ways. Yeah, I, I meant it more like it was the shoot interview as opposed yes. to that's a shoot score and this is a fake score. Yeah. Uh, the Stanman 222. Jericho pushed over a ref. How will he put food <laughs> on his table with the ensuing $100,000 fine? Well, Jericho's Le Champion. Have you seen his house? It'll be fine. Yeah, it's a, that's pocket change. Mike Dempsey, please talk about Jericho Killing we the people dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh he baby. Shot that de- no one was chanting it afterwards. No, absolutely not. Because if they did chant it, they're technically chanting for WWE. The way he framed it. Mm. Brilliant. Uh, Johnny Five. Oh man, the actual robot from Short Circuit. Hopefully, Jack uses we the people in intro for MMA fights. Interesting. That's fun to know. Yeah. I bet he's at the back as well with his gimmick table, <laughs> selling we the people T-shirts and eight by tens. Zach Icon Linda Linda says Inner Circle sounds like a Meet the Fockers reference. I think I'm starting to think it's more of a Vince reference. And as you said, sort of like a meta commentary on mm. um, uh, AEW's management. Anwesh Mishra, I don't think Inner Circle will help any of the members apart from Sammy Guevara as all the other members are already over. I wouldn't say that, actually. T- uh, <laughs> Ortiz and Santana are very new to this audience. Oh, yeah. So and and Jake Hager needs a lot of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I, I agree. Think Jericho is elevating all of them, and they're providing some muscle for Jericho. So it's a really beneficial partnership overall. Yeah. Uh, and Nate drops surname. The chair page through in Hager's face. Wow! Wow! Face emoji. He launched that. Page. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah he did. Uh, on the subject of Darby <laughs> Allen, uh, Tim Arnt says idea for Darby. He beats Jericho next week, then decisively beats Cody in a Fighter Fest rematch at Full Gear. Would that build him up well or too strong? Too strong, especially for this stage in his career. Like he's got something. But you want to pull the trigger properly in two, three years' time. Mike Dempsey, Pack versus Darby Allen predictions, <laughs> wants, needs. 
That is going to be brutal. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm all in for that. There's a lot of like just lineups in AEW. We were talking about this on the podcast that I just I just really like the mm. roster, the depth that they've got. So yeah, so there's a lot of times you just sort of hear the two names, you're like, oh, yeah, I want to see that. Young Bucks versus XLAX, like yeah. for example, to yeah. steal a Stephen Larson's. Um, and Jose Quinde says, Alan takes Jericho to a draw, protects his character of never staying down and not put the title on him. And then he can go undefeated without winning. No, I think you can lose to Jericho, the champion, and and not be buried. Yep. Uh, I would, I would, I would pref- I would, I wouldn't like that. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, John Moxley on the subject of him, Mike Dempsey moxes Austin with a bit of hair confirmed. He has got that swagger about him. Uh, myth roll, Mox should be Sting. Limited wrestling, pure chaos. Mm. I wouldn't mind that actually. Yeah, because. Like I said, the in-ring stuff is where I start to get a bit bored, especially if he's being worked over. Mm-hmm. But if he's just brawling crazily everywhere, I'm, I'm really into him. The Adnap 2. The Janela match was unsanctioned. That's why it wasn't on Mox's win-loss record. And that's why I thought it was an in-ring debut. Yeah. That's what happened. I saw the 0-0 and I thought, oh, it's an in-ring debut. Of course it is. And it was unsanctioned, which is why... That's very nice. That's a little attention well, to attention detail. Attention to detail. It's yeah. perfect, yeah. And then idiot over here just forgot a match happened. You really got your WWE brain on. It's my bloody job. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the subject of the Wednesday Night Wars, um, so we'll have to go through this carefully because we don't want to do any NXT spoilers. Mm-hmm. We uh, we apologise actually for last week where we did accidentally. So accidentally, we dropped some NXT spoilers because we were just chatting about it, but this is, you know, it's new territory uh, in terms of doing NXT and AEW reviews on the same day. It's just surprising when CM Punk always re- returns. Yeah, yeah, that was a shocker on NXT. I thought he was going to Fox first. Uh, Tim Arndt says, JR took some shots at WWE saying things like, are we allowed to say strap on this show? And that's how you make stars. You relate to your audience. I'm not sure the last one's a, a, a is a shot at WWE. The first one certainly is because there are sort of like no no words. But then again, NXT or is because they keep saying, "I know we're the true alternative uh, to sports entertainment." And now they're calling themselves what's it? Combat. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Combat. Combatertainment. <laughs> They've got like a, a certain phrase they're using now, so it's not sports entertainment, but it's still not wrestling. Yeah. It's like combat something, and it's actually remarkably worse than sports entertainment. I like how JR technically said strap on. <laughs> uh, Steve Winyard said Meltzer has said he thinks it will be a bloodbath in the ratings with AEW versus NXT. I've yeah, it's it'll be very. I, I it's still too early to, to make predictions. Uh, I loved AEW so much, I can't see why. But, you know, from what Laurie and Pete said, NXT was really enjoyable too. Walter versus Kushida. Yes, please, <laughs> mate. I'm in for that. Um, Mike Dempsey says, NXT, quote, looked better, but AEW <clears throat> had superior storytelling. I disagree. I think AEW looks a lot better just because of those those crowds. Mm, and the big stage yeah, and everything. Yeah. Uh, Davin Griffin says, AEW the best, WWE boo. Tribalism. <laughs> Um, he's got a couple more here. WWE will be running away from AEW. AEW is the future. WWE is the past. WWE is really scared of AEW. There's lots of emojis in there. Yeah. That was four separate messages as well. <laughs> uh, Agent X says, last week, I wanted to flip back and forth between AEW and NXT. This week, I felt like staying on AEW. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I last week, I, I was always thinking, oh, what's happened on NXT? Probably because we were watching it live with yes. everyone. But and it's this, the first week as well. Yeah, yeah. but this week, I, you know, I was so absorbed in AEW. I, I was just there. I wasn't thinking, oh, I wonder what happened on NXT. And it's interesting to know. I kind of, I, I try not to use this too much for metrics. It's such a small pool. 
But I had no messages from people about uh, NXT this week. Mm. I had a lot of messages from people about AEW, but absolutely no one saying, sending me anything about NXT. Yeah. Um, and, and lastly, on that subject, uh, Perga B says, I am glad we're getting good wrestling, but I wonder now, how will this push WWE? As we can tell, it is not. Hell, if Brazzers can burn <laughs> WWE in writing, also, do you think that AEW should start talent hunting? I think they've got loads of talent already. I, that's it. We said this on the, the podcast, but I think they've actually got a, a, a great roster currently. And I, I think WWE are a large organization. They're very slow to react to things. Mm. I think they've underestimated the, yeah. what they've got on their hands here by not promoting it. Sure, you can say, but they put NXT up against it. But did the main roster promote that? Did WWE think NXT is enough to take a slice out of AEW's audience? I, I think that's what's happened. So give it a month. I think WWE will start to roll out changes on Raw and SmackDown to, for like the 50th time in two years. I will be surprised if NXT is in full sale in January. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, general Dynamite chats we have that Adnap 2. Oh my God, Pat killed Kenny. You, you bastard. bastard. Very good South Park reference. Andrew Haran, we got Kenny versus Janela in an unsanctioned match for AEW Dark. If it's not on YouTube next week, you guys need to find it. No spoilers New Joey fan, wow. Yeah, Joey likes to do his uh, his hardcore wrestling. So that sounds like Andrew was there live. Sounds like it, yeah, That's yeah. Exciting. Uh, Andrew Gronek, Luchasaurus was on American Big Brother 17. Was he really? What? Well, I mean, they do like to put sexy people on that show, so that does make sense casting-wise. sexy dinosaur. <laughs> I have never seen a naked Mexican, right? It was a fun show. That wasn't just me making a confession <laughs> or a, a plea. <laughs> <laughs> It was a fun show and the two hours flew by. Yeah, those two hours really did fly, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Dempsey, spooky team wins it all to cancel WWE bad booking. Spooky team. I don't know what he's talking about there. Not sure. Maybe that's his version of the inner circle. <laughs> Chris Jericho should have called them the spooky, spooky team. team. October, yep. Halloween Havoc. Uh, James McCall, hearing Ross and Shivani call a Dustin Rhodes match gave me happy feelings. Oh, mate, it was so nice. Love JR as well. Just saying, like, have you seen a better match this year in this country than Dustin versus Cody at Double or Nothing? Mm. And they were like, yeah, no, I haven't. And I was like, yeah, you're right. That was like, that's going to be in the top yeah. 10 matches of the year, hands down. Don't worry, the backstop. <laughs> Mod Alex has come in to save the day. Spooky team. Oh, Dark, dark order. order. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for that. So uh, wins it all to cancel WWE bad booking. So it's still yeah. to cancel out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Z Farms Wellington loving AEW and the way they tell a story. Shag me to death and call me Pauline. <laughs> Absolutely loving AEW at the moment. R.I.P. the fiend, you poor sad soul. Or rip the fiend. Yeah, rip the fiend. Shag me to death and call me Pauline. <laughs> that adnap two blackout entries. <laughs> Cody to Dark Order confirmed. There's a couple of times where I thought, well, because the lights went out before Sean Spears' entrance as well. I was like, oh, the Dark Order are here. Mm. Yeah. There's minions out there. I get... Yeah. It was a, it was a good, effective reveal. Uh, it, it did feel a bit jarring because Cody doesn't usually have blackouts. No. But, yeah, it was I also, really fun. I also think it's fairly telling that we haven't seen the Dark Order or the librarians on TV since the mm. debut. Yeah, I feel that is again one of the things because AEW have been very open about this Tony Khan in particular that we made some mistakes in those early shows and 
we're now trying to like we're we're assessing everything we did wrong and trying to work out what we can do to make it right. It's almost like we're <laughs> the people that matter in this, the fans, mm. not some Saudi billionaire. Oh, yeah. oh, crazy things. What a nice thought. Uh, Ziggy Gamma, are the tag rules lucha style? What qualifies a DQ? Now, I said this on the AW Dark uh, review that I did yesterday. A lot of that just like, once a person gets thrown out of the ring, the other person just sort of steps in, the match continues. And I'm like, it wasn't a tag though. There, that's... And I, I don't think they did enough to kind of like cover that on commentary. But again, that was taped obviously after the first week of Dynamite. I think they did a better job this week of yes. having more sort of like consistent logical rules. Benny Sato, Tomo's number one fan. <laughs> Got too many nicknames, Ken Dillion. I know yeah. that's you. You uh, can't get your case of uh, free craft beer. I concur. Great show. Yeah, well, yeah. So he's on board. And Nate drops surname. This is how you build young stars. Huge rubs for all the young guys. MJF, Sammy, Darby, especially. Love the show. I'm so excited for wrestling. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. You know what? Out of all the stuff AEW have done, this is the first, like, pay-per-views included. Mm. This is the first one where I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. This 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 was the one for you. Because going back to all the pay-per-views, I'm like, oh, that was a bit weird, or all librarians, or, or yeah. that match not, not all of it was a little bit below expectations. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to do non-specific chats? Uh, yeah, I've just suddenly realized I haven't got the Patreon shout-out sorted. So if it's I, a new oh, schedule. Yeah, if you can get that for me, that'd uh, be great. This is just general chitter chat. Seth Amphetamines. Hey, Luke. I like Deftones as well. Oh, yeah. Time of the Boys. Yeah, that's uh, a shout out to our the, the latest episode of uh, Russell Talk After Dark, where I was talking about a specific Deftones song in a very uh, awkward um, situation that I now can no longer hear without thinking of said awkward situation. But um, yeah, the Deftones are great. White Pony is a stonkingly incredible album from start to finish. Uh, Mike Dempsey goes on a super chat rampage here. Tim Arndt is a wrestle talk smelly mark. <laughs> Clap emojis. Tell Tim Arndt he's the man. I want to party with him. Tim, you aren't. You, Tim, you aren't the best. Oh wait, yeah, you are. So entrance music. Volta versus Henchman Twenty One. Mars Twenty One. Are you okay, Mike Dempsey? <laughs> Those are four separate <laughs> chats. Uh, Dave. Davin Griffin, did y'all see my super chat yet, guys? Uh, we uh, we have, yes, I believe we did do that we one. Did do a yeah, yes. the, the AEW w, is yeah, the yeah. best. Yeah, we have done those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for super channel again. Uh, Beth Beaky was in Boston. It was at Boston University. Okay, well, the person who emailed me said it was in um, Lowell, and um, and then said that it wasn't it, it wasn't sold out either. Uh, Small Afro Games. That's Jaron Walker. I asked why I wasn't on that top 100, 250 list, and they had the nerve to tell me they weren't including gamers when Up, Up, Down, Down was in the top 10. That's wrestling related, though, isn't it? <laughs> uh, PJA Games, AEW was awesome, but something has been bugging me for ages now. What the heck was the Brock Lesnar Rusev hay? You remember someone said, I've got a Rusev hay and it involves Brock Lesnar. We've never had a follow-up to it. Yeah, I, I just that, remembered that. that. Yeah. Too. yeah, we've never had the follow-up on that one, I'm afraid. Was that Blake, Blake Ham? Um, Probably was, son of a bitch. <laughs> Justin Edelheat. Luke, Edelheit, I think I believe it is. Moro called it sports combat. Is it sports combat? I thought it was combat something. Either way, it's, it's still, just call it wrestling. Or combat action. Com uh, yes, yeah, combat action, something like that. Mortal yeah, just combat. call it wrestling. 
Pavi let Andy out of his cage. Going to be at AEW next week. Excited Ooh. for the matches. Now, oh, mate. Really yeah. exciting. Got two championship matches. And a donation without the message. Thank you, Dylan TV. Wow. What a what a load of, of wrestling chat. That's nearly 90 minutes. And it was all positive chat as well, and up in the mm. super chats as well. Got a couple of other um, AEW-based questions, mm. uh, emails that have come in. It's comes in from uh, Johans, who says, Hi, Luke and co. Johans. Uh, I consider myself a very pro WWE NXT guy, and I'm curious about if my bias is showing here, but I've started to view AEW as the heel promotion based on their social media output, mainly on Twitter. Interesting. Even uh, though, as we know, we've said this time and time again, they're not in competition with WWE, I've seen countless tweets from their top stars like Jericho and Hager comparing the AEW product to WWE's. Meanwhile, I haven't seen any NXT stars doing the same thing. Despite me being a WWE guy, I did check out AEW's premiere and did prefer it to NXT. I like the look and feel of it and mostly like uh, likely going to tune in next week out of curiosity. But after seeing their guys insult something I've loved my entire, lot, uh, my entire life, I'm kind of turned me off a little bit. My question is, is AEW... AEW being hypocritical by saying they're not in competition with WWE but still bashing the product. Are they risking alienating potential viewers by doing that? Have AEW said they're not in competition? Because I, I, I definitely Jericho know... said last week it's not a competition. Huh. And so I, I mean I made that joke in my news today. Yeah. But I make it every time because NXT you've always said it's not a competition, and yet they still keep doing things like it is a competition and it is a war. And some people go like, no, it's not a war. But then we'll say things like, it's definitely a war. I'm like, just say it's a war. Like, if you're at war with it, just say you're at war. Yeah, I think that, that, that would only be more, that would be better for both sides, promotional-wise. And then I could stop making fun of it in every video I have to make, where, like, you know, someone from WWE will say something that is um, banish, you know, damaging about AEW or something from AEW says something about WWE. And I have to keep saying, like, but remember, everyone, it's not a competition. They're mm. not actually at war with each other. The, uh, I... I always think about Triple H at the Hall of Fame ceremony this year. And he called AEW a pissant company. Yes. Was very disparaging about them. And has been in interviews here and there for a while now. And Vince was on the um, investors call. Yeah. Blood and guts promotion. Yeah, we've graduated from that, he said about WWE. Sort of negging AEW in the process. So... I, I totally get what you mean, that there is obviously uh, a tension that AEW performers and the promotion themselves are capitalizing on. We're going to talk about Chris Jericho. Well, we have spoken about Chris Jericho's shoot comments, mm. which seem to be improvisational on Dynamite this week. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't know if it'll isolate fans. I think if... <coughs> excuse me, I'm getting emotional about this war. <laughs> People are getting split up. War. Families won't talk to each War other is anymore. Hell. Uh, I think if if you're sort of offended by what AEW are saying, mm-hmm. you might never fully side with them anyway. If that yeah. makes sense. So I mean, I, I think it's all fun. Well, that's it. That's what I would say. Is like I just don't take the comments personally because they're not an attack on you. And also, but you know, it comes down to that brand loyalty thing. Is like, do you really need to have brand loyalty? Maybe you do. Maybe you like if you like one product more than another, you may be like, "Oh, I don't like it when you said that." But they're all just having fun. I mean, at the end of the day, they're all friends. Yeah, yeah. Really, they are all friends. They're all texting each other about yeah. how good this all is. So it's all the work, brother. Um, and one other uh, point to bring up. So 
over the weekend, um, uh, this chap came under some scrutiny because I, uh, I replied to one of his comments. He uh, criticized us for being uh, too pro AEW and mm. too anti WWE. Um, and as you know, we pointed out on Saturday, the irony of that is that we often get called uh, too pro WWE or we're too uh, too easy on WWE when they make mistakes. We're never going to win. We're absolutely never going to win. But uh, but Abnaham has got in touch because he wants to clarify his point. Now I do want to stress he's clarified this point to me in a, in a tweet that I've already replied to. So I'm I'm I want to hear your thoughts okay. on this. Okay. Uh, where it says, uh, "Dear Luke, Pete, Ollie, Laurie, and Simon, I tweeted two days back about the eight, uh, the rating system for Dynamite on and SmackDown, and I think uh, um and I think I wasn't able to put my thoughts and maybe have made you upset." Didn't really, it's fine. Uh, first of all, I'd like to apologize if I made you upset. It was never my intention. Now, what I meant to say was that uh, when you had biased ratings, I listened to the WrestleTalk live show of both Dynamite and SmackDown. You guys pointed out the bad bits and good bits of both shows. You criticized AEW when they were doing wrong and praised them when they were doing good. Same goes for SmackDown. My thing was, I heard Ollie critique Dynamite quite a lot, which was justified, but in the end, you assigned four out of five. I was like, that doesn't add up. Mm. My thing is, if you would have criticized a WWE show so much, then it definitely would have had a 3 out of 5 score. Uh, I thought you were being biased to AEW by giving it a 4 out of 5, even though it had flaws. My main thing was that opinions don't, uh, didn't match the rating. I hope I'm able to justify myself, and I hope you don't have any hard feelings. Okay, so I can see what's going on here, and it probably is my fault for not being as clear as I could be. But, I, I mean, I'd have to do this at the start of every show as, like, a disclaimer. That I, I look at my criticism of AEW is of such a higher standard than main roster WWE shows. Because if I truly broke down every single thing in WWE on Raw and SmackDown that was wrong or inconsistent or illogical, it would not be a pleasurable experience. And it would always be one or two out of five. You can't judge WWE by the standards that I would judge Joker or Game of Thrones or, you know, Walking Dead. So you have to kind of dumb yourself down a bit, go, oh, okay, this is a mass appeal product. That's what you're trying to do. You're still failing at doing that, to be honest, but, like, I'm going to try and adjust my rating system. It's like when we talk about New Japan shows, when we've ever done, the, like, reviewed those matches, it's we're, we're, we're critical, but it is of such a nitpicky high standard to compare that to WWE, it would it would just completely not work and it wouldn't be a pleasurable listening experience. So the reason I was so down on AEW but still gave it four out of five is because I really did enjoy the show. Uh, I was just nitpicking on it because I thought it should have been a five out of five show. Yes. Whereas, you know, other WWE things. If that, if that first Dynamite show was a WWE show, it would be a seven out of five. <laughs> It, it, does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, it, it, it makes sense. I mean, I've always said that there have been shows like SmackDown shows in particular where at the end of the day, overall, I've been like, actually, you know, it was it was a really good episode, but there was this one really clanging thing. And so you spend a lot of time thinking about that really clanging thing that uh, that really wound you up. But actually, overall, I really enjoyed the show. So yeah, there are, and, and it, same thing with AEW last week, there are a few clangers in there, but overall, mm. I thought it was a four out of five show. In the same way, there have been Raw shows where I've thought, man, that thing was really clangingly bad. But overall, it was really good. I actually I had a lot of fun watching it. It's all about, it's about context. And this is why I don't particularly like ratings. I don't like giving star ratings for things because a lot of times people don't listen to the context. They just want to hear the score. 
And I think sometimes people miss the context of a review, just want to hear the result that it gets at the end. Hmm. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on from that because we will be back tomorrow on Friday with the magazine. It is Thursday today, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't have no idea what day it is anymore. And we'll be back tomorrow with the magazine episode. Please also go and subscribe to the Screen Stalker podcast. It's available on Spotify, iTunes, and all that's good. Gubbins, take care. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 